Without being cunted. Yeah. I got a I got a Scott I, got, I don't have a Scott. I got a BJ and I got a Rob on the line. That's it. What's up, dudes? What's up, What's boys? Scotty will be here shortly. Nice. Nice. Or so we think. Or so we yeah, think. Hopefully. T B D. Yes. All he I know is the big uh, entrance. Big entrance. Remember that one episode he was he was driving home from the river? Yeah. <laughs> and he caught yeah. in with that snow flying. <laughs> Freaking crazy. <laughs> yes. Nutty to the buddy. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Well, you, oh, guys, you, you boys been fishing? Man, I ain't been out at all since January 22nd. Ooh. Well, it's just, it, I don't know. February's kind of screwed up and people were sick and. Then the whole Valentine's thing kind of plays havoc with the restaurant schedule. And why does the restaurant mm-hmm. schedule matter for you? Well, because my wife works in a restaurant now. So, kind of funny. That's right. BJ, what about you? You getting out, Vinny? Yeah, we went. Um, I didn't make it out last weekend. We had a blowout city rainstorm. But I went out the weekend before it. Me and the wife made a quick trip. Um, had a couple hours without the kids. So, we went out, each caught a fish, and we probably fished an hour and a half. It was cold. It was, and she wasn't happy. So we went out, we quick <laughs> caught a fish each, and we rolled. So it was good, though. Um, nice. Yeah, spring's here. I mean, it was 60, almost 70 degrees yesterday here. Um, it's going to cool back down a little bit. Clocks change over the weekend. Yeah. So we'll be uh, looking forward to a little bit longer daylight in the evening. Maybe do yes. some after work stuff. Yeah, it's already pretty noticeable in the mornings, man. It's nice. Yeah, it is nice. Mm-hmm. That's yep. good. So get this yeah. uh, water warmed up for those carp start swimming around by you, BJ. Ooh, I already see people catching carp, man. No gross. kidding. Yep. <laughs> There's a little uh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> I I hate, but I don't really care. I just hate to hate. Yeah. Hey, do There's either a, of you guys? Uh, do you, either of you guys run the yarn indicators with the rubber bands? I yeah. have before, but I don't do it like, now. No, like no. the time I own ones? Uh, kind of. You use rubber bands on yours? I use the, um, I buy like these black rubber O-rings. Oh, okay. They're a little thicker. And I tie my own. I buy Bonnie Craft Cord. Yep. I'm cheap, dude. I figure out how to do everything for the cheap. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, because... <laughs> A lot. I mean, I use it down on the San Juan quite a bit, but it's you know it's it's the yarn, and you you know you put the, you do the loop on your leader, and then mm-hmm. you put the rubber band around it. It's the the Dorsey indicator. More, uh, I have got New a Zealand shit Dorsey ton. Style. I've got a shit ton of the orthopedic or the oral orthodontic elastic rubber bands. Mm-hmm. If anybody needs any, I got like three bags of these. You should mail me a bag because I need those for the strap-on squirmy worm. <laughs> okay. You see that yet? 
no, but that sounds funny, man. I have not seen a strap-on squirmy worm. I have seen so you take, strap-on you things, take a, but uh, not a squirmy worm. You take a, you can take like a jig hook with a bead on it, and then you tie that, uh, you tie that band in, long ways, mm-hmm. and then you just freaking cut a piece of plastic worm stick feed it through when it gets chewed up you cut another piece feed it through you never have to retie no shit no kid wow yeah yeah Where'd i remember who came i don't know i'm on all kinds of dirty fly tying sites you yeah, know apparently <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yeah. Well, that that name will get censored really quick yeah pretty soon so yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny man no i've usually the new zealand indicators for a while there probably six seven years ago but uh i just am a thing i'm a bobber or uh whatever the ones as you screw the top on and that's all i use oh yeah mm-hmm. these ones yeah the airlocks yeah. mm-hmm. the airlocks that's what they're called yeah yeah but lately i've just been running just a big dry at the top and because the water's still pretty low here so yeah i just been running a big hopper mm-hmm yeah, yeah, but you know, mm-hmm. it works, and you can get that middle water column dialed in with that, where you're not splashing the water so much with that uh, big indicator. But that yarn indicator helps out a lot too if you're doing that as well. Those yarn indicators work really good when you're just trying to get fish that are you know pretty shallow, but you're not dragging the bottom, you're not spooking them off by with that yarn indicator. I think's a good idea. Yep, and so my. But I have been fishing a lot. I actually fished with uh, uh, one of our listeners. Maybe I, he probably doesn't listen, but Roger, I fished with him a week ago this Sunday, and uh, caught some pal- caught a palomino, hooked some palominos, and then caught about two hundred and fifty other stalker fish, which was pretty fun. Nice. So uh, yeah, and then uh, just kind of been fishing in town, been fishing at the Owyhee, fished the South Fork, been fishing quite a bit. So yeah, nothing super super big, but. It's been fun and consistent, so and not a lot of people are out because it's still kind of cold. Yeah, but very yeah, nice. I get pick up the raft tomorrow, and, and I'll be ready for float season. Man, I'm ready to hit that and quit that. So that is dirty. Mm-hmm. Did you see that fly, Robbie? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. That is filth. Hmm? Oh, you see that? Oh, so you have you got two rubber bands on there? Is that right? No, it's one band. It's one band with a loop on each end. So you tie the middle in. Uh-huh. And you just cut a three-inch piece of squirm and feed it through, and then when it gets chewed up, you just freaking cut a new piece. Very nice. No kidding, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. That is that's the epitome of dirty. I love that. That you is. Strap on the <laughs> <worm>. <laughs> that's kick-ass. And we, and that's we got kick-ass. a we got a late edition. Hi, Scotty. Mm. What's up? We got What's going. Up, bud? He's on the time I, I, zone. I'm not used already. to guys. I'm not used to uh, starting on time. So yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't realize I was late. You, you thought you had 30 minutes. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, it's not even 6:30 yet. We're not even ready to kick this bitch off. No, it was it was, it was like a 6:10 start. Dang, punctual. Yeah, we were on time today. You playing around? We were all taking bets where where you were, and so was, BJ said that you were fishing in the snow. Yeah, it's not. I was talking about yet. that. I was talking about that one. That one night you uh, called in on your way home, right near the end, driving home in the snowstorm right. in your truck. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. So you've been fishing, Scott? Like we were doing fishing stuff. 
have I? Um, yeah, I think so. I went, uh, I went down south for a couple of days. Jeez, what was that? Somebody drag racing over there? Mm, not at my house. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I fished the San Juan. Um, went down there, got the got the message from Serpnack that he had to head over to uh, Farmington to pick up a new what was it, the Flycraft or whatever it's called, the mm-hmm. the raft that he bought. So we went over to check. He went over to pick that up and said, oh, I'm heading that way if anybody wants to meet up. So I said, shit, yeah, let's go. So I headed nice. down and yeah. Yeah, not too yeah. bad. Uh, Saturday was a windy biatch. And so we got to break in his little weightless raft. I think the whole thing with everything on it weighs like 100 pounds. Nice. So yeah, the wind, the wind got to uh, blow us around pretty good. It's pretty hard to keep that thing in one spot when the wind keeps swirling and you got one guy standing up in the front and <laughs> mm-hmm. making a sail. Was it a so three-seater or just a two-seater? Two. Two? Gotcha. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, That's that cool. thing's uh, it's a little skinny. Dude, I was nervous. Like, the first time I started to get, get on that thing, like, I'd never been on one before. So we we kind of figured it out later in the day, but... The first time I went to get on it, you know, it was like the way you get on any like fly fishing craft. You just kind of swing your leg over and step in. And when I did, I almost flipped the damn thing over. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, what's, what's going on? So Yeah, I've heard those are very, very squirrely. Uh, it was definitely a little squirrely just in the sense that you got to – you got to fucking keep your weight right. You got to kind of be in sync with the other guy on board. And like, if we were to both step to one side at the same time, I don't know if, I don't know if one of us or both of us wouldn't go swimming, but uh, Mm. you know, it felt really good. Like later in the day when I started getting a little more confident with it, it felt pretty good actually like standing up in the front. I mean, we switched off for a while. I rode and, and uh, he, he fished in the front and, I mean, we're both pretty big dudes, and when when one of us stands up in that boat, the wind gets a hold of you. And I mean, it's it's difficult to overcome that on the sticks when the guy in the front's standing up. Yeah. But it's also, you know, the the boat's so narrow that you really can fish pretty well out of it sitting down too. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be like a big wide drift boat. Like you got to be pretty much standing up and kind of leaning towards the side that you're fishing and you know, you're, you're reaching, but in that thing, man, you, I didn't have any problem fishing sitting down, but when I stood up in it, <clears throat> because it's inflatable, you know, you've got the, the, the boat, the bladder of the boat, that's basically two cylinders, a cylinder running down each side. And then you got the inflated floor on it. And when you kind of wedge the sides of your boots into the sides, so you sit with basically your calves, the backs of your knees against the front of the seat, and you kind of wedge your feet in um, between the floor and the the gunnels, essentially. And man, you're lock rock solid. And I, I actually feel like you're a lot more stable that way because you can really kind of control the pitch of the boat just by shifting your legs. And so, uh, you know, if I had a couple times where 
because that thing's so light, you know, he goes to make an adjustment and digs a little extra with the oar. And like I've had times on a drift boat where the guy digs with the oar and it just about throws you out of the boat. And uh, in this case, I felt more stable because I was pretty locked in there and uh, was able to, even if I leaned back against the seat, like my feet didn't slip out or anything. So I don't know, it felt pretty solid. Uh, but yeah, I think the biggest knock on it would just be that it's so light that the wind just does what it wants with you. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like when you're rowing and stuff, it doesn't have, it's almost like it needs a rudder, you know, it's really hard to, to track with that thing. Cause it, you know, if you think about like, if you were on just a flat, a flat craft in the water, like where there's nothing that's wanting to keep it on track. It's, it's kind of like that. Like it moves around quite a bit. It'll move sideways as easily as it moves forward or aft. So, uh, but you know, it was, it was uh, fun to row. I mean, it was light and you could do what you want with it. Uh, as long as you're not having to fight too much wind. I mean, we were rowing downstream quite a bit just because the wind was blowing upstream and we couldn't, the, the current wasn't overcoming the wind. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I got but, I got a couple questions for you about it. Uh, number one, it was it a self bailing raft? No. Are those self bailing? No. No, solid Two. floor, uh, and so uh, you know, I was kind of worried about it. And every time I'd get in, I'd like hold my boot up and let the water as much water kind of drain out of my boot as I could. And then I'd. It, the other thing we learned is getting in and out of it. The best thing to do is have it in like super shallow water where you're not having to like step up into the craft. So, you know, you swing the bow over, get the whole thing like in super shallow water. I mean, we went over rocks that were maybe less than six inches below the surface and didn't even rub on them. So, you know, it, it drafts in like next to nothing. So what we figured out is if you, if you put it in shallow water, you can literally just step into the very center of the boat and just step in like you're taking a step on flat land and you don't like pitch the boat at all or anything. You just step right to the middle. Other guy steps in, steps right to the middle. And yeah, it it works. That worked really well. Um, So, but I was like trying to be careful about, about, uh, you know, putting a bunch of water in the boat cause it wasn't self bailing. So I had like, I'd lift my boot up, let it drain out, step in, hold my other one up in the air, let it drain out. And Steve wasn't really doing that as much as I was cause I'm trying to be, you know, it's not my boat. So I'm trying to be considerate and whatever. Uh, but I mean, we didn't fill it up at all. So, and he had one of those little things where you suck the water and shoot it out Mm -hmm. and do whatever, but I never saw him use it. So it didn't fill up. But, and the other cool thing about it, as light as it is, like we would, we would literally like pull, like pull over to get out and fish on foot and you just like throw it up on the rocks. (laughs) You don't even have to worry about keeping it anchored. You just pick it up and set it down on shore or set it on the rocks because it's so damn light. So you didn't have to worry about like anchoring it up and, and, you know, having to deal with that. So, uh, but I could see that being really handy for, you know, fishing by yourself, just, uh, you know, jump in that thing, scoot down river, jump out, fish for a little bit and, you know, jump back in, scoot down river, fish, whatever. And I mean, 
you could fish if you put a little trolling motor on that thing dude you could fish out of the boat you mm-hmm. know yeah that's uh and you can get a trolling motor for them it comes in a package that they have uh that flycraft offers yeah 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 and then uh, the second question, the thing I was going to tell you is that all the rafts I've fished out of, man, it is always easier just to sit down and fish, um, especially out of my boat. My boat's bigger than the fly craft. And I tell people, man, just sit down, take a break, man. We're just going to fish right here and just sit down. I'll do the work. And, you know, it seems like it's easier out of a raft just to sit down and all the ones I've been in. Even uh, the one that my buddy has is about the same size as steves and i was just like man i'm not standing up i'm just gonna sit down it's a lot easier and then uh yeah the sides are a lot lower too so you're not having to be up as much but i mean it just depends there were times where you know it was just as easy to sit and fish but then there were times where you know when you're sitting down low it's harder to see you can't see into the water as well uh and there were other times where like i was fishing where you know my cast is kind of I don't know. It was easier to cast it sort of over my right shoulder and, and where Steve was sitting. And so stand, by standing up, I'm, you know, making sure everything's well above us when I'm coming forward with it and not spearing anybody. <laughs> yeah. But either way it worked. I mean, it was, it was a, a pretty easy, you know, raft to fish out of either way. That's what makes them nice, man. You can put them in some some skinny water and pretty yeah. BJ, you should get one for where you're at, dude. It'd be be great out there in those little small creeks. Yeah, I know um I've seen it I know a couple people between here and central PA that have one that that's I think that's the kind of stuff that Yeah, well there was a couple of spots where Steve's like, All right, this is where we always end up getting stuck and having to get out and, you know, push it down the rocks and dude, we didn't even rub on it you nice. know yeah nice. it's definitely then, made for skinny water did you uh screw with steve and come walking out to the uh boat when you guys got in the water with your spikes on say all right man i'm ready dude i don't even uh i don't even own spikes oh damn it he'd have been like what you, uh you got any tevas in there you can put on yeah a lot <laughs> so. yeah i did have my river for the foot tractors on so but <laughs> yeah. mine don't mine don't have bars just rub the shit out the bottom of it awesome right awesome well good sounds like you guys had a good time yeah saturday was windy as hell um sunday we fished on foot we wade fished around muñoz area we only had you know like half a day and uh, we got into a bunch of nice fish sunday I mean, we got into a bunch of nice fish Saturday too, but certainly not as many as, uh, as we did Sunday. I don't know. That's just kind of how the San Juan is. I I think you're always going to catch a lot more fish wade fishing there than, than out of a boat. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless, you know, unless you're just hole hopping, but you know, there's a lot of fish above Texas hole. And that was the other thing we were talking about was, uh, that little raft, dude, we could take it all the way up to the top and float that, float the main channel above Texas hole, float the braids. Like you could pretty much float wherever you wanted up there. Dudes would be up there like, what the hell? <laughs> There's a boat coming down on us. What the yeah, hell? right. <laughs> Nobody's used to ever seeing boats up there. That'd especially, be big boys <laughs> yeah, especially when they get the, the, when they do the flush flows, cause it pushes all that water out to those side channels. 
You could just put right. it at the you could just put it at the very top, drag it through those side channels and you're golden. I mean you could right. you could probably sit there and float ESPN hole all day long. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Just well, do laps. But then you gotta pick a nice little route to get down to Texas hole. Because you don't want to go down the main channel, especially in a high flow. Shit, you could. You, you could. could in that thing. I wouldn't. <laughs> why is it rocky or something? What is it? Why? Why not? Main channels just—I mean, even with low flows, main channels just—it's a, a little narrow shoot, and it fucking screams water through there. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Just hauling ass that'd be fun. Scott's just in the front. Yeah, it'd be quick. It out. Fuck it. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be oh, a quick drift here. through there. So that'd be doing. I'd just be fishing. Be a quick drift. I'm like that. you're the one on the sticks, dude. Keep us alive. I'm just gonna fish. That's it. Keep tough the rocks. <laughs> We're good. Awesome. You know who else will keep you off the rocks? Who? Uh-oh. 5280 Anglers. Ooh. Dang. Dang. Ooh. This podcast here is brought to you by 5280 Angler. And if you're searching for expert guides and fly fishing fun on the front range, be sure to check out 5280 Angler. Whether you are looking to sharpen your skills on the South Platte system, plan the perfect date, or host the ultimate potty on the water, 5280 Angler has your trip covered. The guys at 5280 have the passion, the skill, and the experience to serve you. Find web specials at 5280angler.com and check out recent trip picks on Facebook and Instagram at 5280angler. 5280angler is passionate about service and wild about fish. And I think tomorrow I'm going to go catch some wild native fish. So suckers. <laughs> I'm gonna go chase some brookies tomorrow, probably. Nice. Yeah, we're supposed to get a half inch of rain overnight, so my options are gonna be uh, go up high. <laughs> nice. That'd be fun. We're gonna get a bunch of rain here, but it's gonna be frozen. <laughs> yeah. I told Steve. That's what I keep people, hearing. All the people that move there, Scott, this would be their first really big storm. I mean, you guys haven't had one in a long time. They're going to be like, what the hell is this, man? This is crazy. I hope so, man. I hope the computer models are right. <laughs> I, hope, I hope we get more rather than less. I'd rather see – I'd want to see – I want to see like four feet. They can do it there. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Four feet. Fuck them. Go away. That's yep. right. Here you go. Do you it. Hear this? The last big one I remember, I think it was in 2007, and I think it was about three foot. I can't remember. Uh, it's been a long time since you guys have had a big, big one, you know? Yeah. yeah but um, it, well, it 2000, what was it 2019? We got a couple feet. Yeah, 19. Oh, maybe maybe even like 17 or 18-ish. 18, I think we had a yeah, couple I, feet. Yeah, I too. just remember Douglas County Sheriff was saying that they had to rescue like 600 freaking people from their cars because they were stranded during that storm a couple of years ago. That's funny. Yeah. That's My funny. Subaru can go anywhere. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. My Subaru was six inches of ground clearance. Yeah. Subaru can fuck right off. That's <laughs> oh, so we heard shit. a rumor, Scott. Let's. Uh, we we heard the rumor that you got some gear reviews. Rumors, it, man. Rumors are yeah. always true. Uh, hold on, hold That's on. Before before we get into the Scotty stuff, there's a note on this uh, podcast outline I need to address. Uh oh, what is it? Uh oh, Scott says no green chili Philly. What the fuck? 
Dude, so... Please address this. I will address this. So, like, we heard that that Fish Heads was open for carryout. And so we're like, all right, cool. And we try to call him, and Steve called him in the morning and was like, left him a message. Nobody answered. He's like, yeah, hey, we wanted a couple of green chili fillies for dinner, blah, blah, blah. We'll, you know, come in whenever and call us back, let us know, whatever. So then nothing happens, no, no call back. And then we tried calling later in the day and the gal answered and Steve's like, yeah, we, we uh, called in an order for a couple of green chili fillies and, you know, we, we can be down there around five o'clock or whatever. And, oh, well, we don't have an order for you. Uh, well, I called this morning. Well, you have to order by 9 a.m. for a dinner order. So you got to place your dinner order for a fucking sandwich before 9 a.m. So um, evidently we missed the bus on that one. That sucks. Yeah, I know. That sucks. I know. Did you guys just eat, eat gas station sandwiches or what? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the gas station down the road had some sushi that looked kind of fresh. So <laughs> we ate that. No, we Did went you- into, uh, we went into Aztec and uh, went to, well, we tried to go to a place called Fat Man Approved that had pretty high ratings for burgers and shit like that. But just as was we that, pulled up, was that Man Child's restaurant? I, you know, that's what I thought too. I'm like, hey, <laughs> Fat Man Kitchen. But uh, no, so they were just closing the doors when we pulled in. But there was a pizza place right across the street from it. Uh, so we went over there, and what do we? I can't remember the name of the pizza place, but it's right across the street from Fat Man Approved. And they got it like a brick fucking pizza oven in there and shit. And I mean, it was pretty legit. They, uh, so we got a green chili cheeseburger pizza. Mm. Ooh, it was, man. it was pretty fucking good. dude. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Jeez. Yeah. After, after all day of eating cold cuts and cheese, like, yeah, dude, that was good to put some hot food in the belly, but it was, it was tasty, man. I would recommend that place. That is the best feeling is a nice hot meal after a cold day. Oh, I mean, buddy. not even a cold, it doesn't even have to be a cold Dude. day, but cold days make it that much better. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's so funny. You guys said that because, uh, uh, I was at Fred Meyers, which is like a King supers with like a, I don't know. It's like a King supers. And I saw this propane little green canister, uh, grill in there for like 35 bucks and I bought it. Yeah. And dude, I've been taking fishing with me every time that I go out the last two weeks. And it is so awesome to cook up some brats or hamburgers right there. It is so much fun. I'm like, man, this, yeah. is, this is it, dude. You guys, it's like going out. to rainbow falls. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Except you just bring your own grill. It's yep. so fun, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was like, I'm going to start bringing this thing every time I go fishing. And it's been great, man. It's been so fun. I just keep it in the back of my truck and call it good. Yeah. Well, all the good guides have one of those uh, grills that attaches to the back transom of their boat. Yeah. Yeah. I have a raft. I don't think a fire would be very good on that. (laughs) I can put on the jet boat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm in agreement. So I got to ask Steve. So I got to ask Steve, if, if, if I grew green chilies 
in Pennsylvania, do they nope. count? The ones in Colorado don't even count. <laughs> that is true. What if I buy New Mexican seeds, though? Not the same. Not the same soil. <laughs> no. Is it the sun in the soil? Mm-hmm. It's, I don't think you could grow them. So I should just... So I should just buy finished peppers from New Mexico and call it a day. Yes, from Hatch. Because if if you if you were to like grow them there in Pennsylvania, they would just be green peppers. Yeah, I have eight different types of peppers I'm growing this year. Dang, <laughs> nice. My dad has like my dad has like twenty. Are they like 20. are they like light your asshole on fire kind of peppers or? I, yeah, I'm a medley guy. So I got um, we started buying from. Some of the, uh, I guess they're heirloom seed supply. I don't know what any of this shit means, right? But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll grow anything from, I mean, we love green bell peppers. I'll grow some Anaheims. I'll grow some habaneros. And then I got some crazy hot shit that I'll grow. And I'm going to make my own hot sauce, ferment my own hot sauce this year for the first time. Dude, so. you should talk to Landon Gronenbrew, man. He, that dude's, I, he's like all about the hottest of the hottest of the hot. <laughs> Yeah, he's Landon's in a different world than me. So, <laughs> dude, his stuff is no joke. He probably got some pointers <laughs> for you, though. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, like he does, he grows peppers in in the dirt. He grows them in high. He got peppers. He grows hydro peppers. He grows shit that he's. Yeah, that dude's on a different level. Dude, that was uh, when when we we're down in New Mexico. Jonathan brought uh, both uh, Steve and I each. Two Ziploc bags full of green chili. Nice. That's a, that's a good man right there. Needless to say, that's gone. That's right. <laughs> I ate that. I ate the first bag the day after I got home, and then I just ate the second <laughs> bag like a couple mornings ago. Hell yeah. I'm out completely, so I'm waiting on the new crop. It'll be fucking August before I have any. Dang, son. You guys hey, I will say dirty? too uh, on the on the San Juan trip, I stayed at a new place um, that I haven't been before. Yeah, how is that? Because that's um, where I'm staying. In so it's called the Enchanted Hideaway. I know that sounds like super <laughs> kind of like you know. Was there a, honey, was there a honeymoon? Was there a heart, was there a heart shaped hot tub in the room? Uh, not in the room, but okay. right outside the room. Oh, we spent our oh. fair share of time in there. Yeah, but uh, no, it was uh, it was pretty cool. I they were evidently having some issues with their website because I went on the Airbnb and I'm like looking for something and I'm like, oh, well, hey, there's this place that has a what was it called? Like the Angler's Retreat or the something like that. That was a room with three beds. And I'm like, I got this. I'll book it. And so I start booking it and it just kept throwing me into a loop and it couldn't take my money and said it was available and whatever. And then Jonathan's like, oh man, we're here right now. We already booked that room, but there's one left, but you got to call the guy because they're having issues with the website. So I called Steve down there and he, uh, he took care of it. He's like, all right, you must be Jonathan's friend. He was telling me to expect your call. And so, you know, they're just cool. They just, uh, whatever you need to do. It's like, we're not going to be getting down there till eight o'clock. He's like, don't worry about it. We'll just leave the door unlocked, leave the key on the table and you just come on in and have a good time. And he just, uh, you know, sent me an invoice, emailed me an invoice and done, done. So it was, you know, it's got the, they, he's got like a duplex there that has two different rooms that are both basically 
set up the same. Uh, one's the angler's retreat, I think, and the other one's the brown trout room. And uh, each one has like a bedroom with a double bed and then two single beds out in the kind of living room, full kitchen, uh, fridge, that kind of stuff. So you can get yourself set up pretty good down there. Nice. So, yeah, that was, uh, that worked out well. It was, I think 90, it was 90 bucks a night for the, for the room with three beds. So you can split that up however you want it. But even if you're going down there by yourself, like that's not too bad to have a place to stay. No, I booked the, um, what is it? The San Juan, San Juan suite, something like that. Same concept. Yeah. Room and living room or whatever with a bed. The San Juan suite. San Juan suite. (laughs) Sweet. Yeah. Is that the one where somebody jumps up in your bed in the middle of the night, like every hour, and shuffles their feet real quick <laughs> yeah, exactly. while that's, you're trying to sleep? Well, that's how you get shuffle. your food. <laughs> nice. They actually grill on a they deck above, and they just drop it down and shuffle their feet, so you just eat from below them. <laughs> yeah. Good old boot lickers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> boot lickers. Hell yeah. Okay. So that solves well, the no that, that solves the no green chili Philly. I was worried. Dude, yeah. I was not okay with that, but whatevs. No, because that shit is amazing. Sorry, I just That's part of the trip. Alright, I'll, I'll jump back now. Yeah. I got I got lost on the hatch website looking at pre orders for July and August. So <laughs> there you go. I might yeah. I might have to buy twenty five pounds of the hot. Yeah, if you get yeah. if you get it, get the stuff called dynamite. It's not that hot. Yeah. Well, I'm getting ready to blow you guys' mind, but I've I've never had any hatch chili stuff. Mm. Never had it. I don't even Weird. know. I mean, I know what it looks like, but I don't ever eat it. I've never had it. When you say chili, Rob is like, "Oh, you talking about Hormel's?" Yeah, exactly. He's yeah, Rob's, can, yeah, he's thinking like red with chunks of beef and beans. Mm-hmm. Put mm-hmm. some taters in there. It's all good. No. Mm-hmm. Negatory, taters. sir. Taters. Lord, son. Although I do put potatoes in my green chili. Mmm. Sounds good. Dude. Yeah. yeah, I was talking about like the Hormel chili. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Uh, taters in there. Hell no. But no, it's uh like, I, dude, there is just, there is nothing else there's no other like flavor comparison to roasted green chili. I don't know what it is. Like there's nothing else. There's you got all kinds of different chilies and all kinds of different stuff, but you know, and in, when you eat like the raw green chilies, they're like, oh, okay, it's a chili, whatever. But when you roast those things, oh, dude, it's just, there's nothing else that, that produces that kind of flavor. Pure heaven. Even when they're not, like hot, you know, the, just, just that flavor. And and you can, it, it enhances the flavor of so many different things, like just freaking scrambled eggs or a breakfast burritos or, you know, whatever kind of dinner stuff, put it in on steaks and any of that shit, dude, whatever you want to put it in, it makes it better. This I've only had brought to you. This podcast was brought to you by the Food Network. Uh, catch our channel <laughs> no. on fifty-two. We also have Chopped and uh, America's Worst Cooks. 
So yeah. Boom. If they <laughs> yeah, just kidding. if they, listen, if they send me twenty five pounds, this podcast is brought to you by Hatch Green Chili right now. <laughs> Not a boy. Hell yeah. Oh dang. I've only uh, ever had I've only ever had real hatch green chili once in my life. That was in Texas and I forget the restaurant. It was a hatch green chili burger. They imported it from I guess is it import if it's in the same country? I don't know. Was it from was it Whataburger? No, it was not Whataburger. It was a local uh, okay. Houston, Texas joint. I forget the name of it, but gotcha. And, nice. and it was freaking awesome. It was um, Jack in the Box, I think it's called. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. <laughs> it was in the egg. Carl room. Senior. <laughs> yeah, Senior. <laughs> Listen, I will crush. Oh, Whataburger. Whataburger is something we don't have here. And every time I go to Texas, they have an A one peppercorn burger that I will eat the shit out of. Dude, you got to you got to get there for boiling. breakfast. Breakfast is where it's at. Yeah. Well, I'll eat the shit out of some boiled peanuts. I will. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you no, guys would say that. dude. Not that. me. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'll Rob knows. Rob knows. Last time I was in uh, Mississippi two years ago, and the first thing I did was bought a bag of boiled peanuts along the side of the road, and I sent yes. Rob, the picture. And you bought you bought jealous. a bottle of Coke too, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't put the bottle like in a glass yeah. bottle. Yeah, a glass yeah. bottle of Coke. <laughs> no, I bought. Yeah, there was Coke, but it wasn't oh. in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> it was in a vial. I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. Not a full size bottle. It's it a, a boiled peanut. Bottle. But you can't buy canned boiled peanuts. It got to be in a paper bag along the side of the road. A plastic bag. Yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds disgusting. It's so good. Mm. Hey, you got oh, dude, any it's like the salty it's like burgers. The worst. It's. I'll tell you what. After COVID, I don't know if I'd ever buy boiled peanuts along the side of the road off the people I bought them off of. <laughs> yeah. Just saying, they didn't wash their hands in between customers. <laughs> <laughs> and they just reach in and grab it out of the thing. They're elbow the deep bag. in them peanuts. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All the more reason to boycott Lord. it. Lord. We can't cancel. You can go ahead and keep that Southern tradition. Yeah, it's yours. BJ, what we get for questions on Instagram? I don't think anybody wanted to talk to us tonight. So, uh, um, Jigfly, uh, our, our buddy Jigfly said, uh, can we get back to fly fishing before people's feelings got hurt over everything? Um, I don't think. Any of the four of us ever got our feelings hurt over anything related to fly fishing. I don't think he was talking about us. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> but he's yeah. right, man. It's like everybody's so fucking butthurt all the time about every little stupid thing, man. Dude. And they try to commit. And it, it, what? That's fine, dude. Be all butthurt. Like, if you're that person, more power to you. But it's when everybody tries to when they try to rally everybody else to be butthurt along with them when nobody else is butthurt about it. And they're like, no, 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 you have to you have to be as mad as me. It's like, uh, no, dude, I'm just going to have a good time. I'll be over here laughing and having a good time. You go be butthurt by your fucking self. Since since uh, none of you are really on the face tube anymore um, today, a picture of my kids six years ago. Eating a freaking Auntie Annie's pretzel came up on my feed, right? So I, I shared it again. I said, I said, uh, here's here's my kid six years ago. He didn't give a shit what was going on in the world. 
All he cared about is he had a fresh pretzel in his hand and life was good. And we all should Damn be right. more like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yep. That's exactly right. I agree. Yep. Well. So, there you go, Jig Fly. Don't worry about what other people are crying about. Just freaking have fun. Yep. Right. That's what it's supposed and, to be about. Yep. And then uh, the Dangle O2 said small mouth, to which I say yes, please. <laughs> so he wants us to talk more about smallmouth. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. I it's would good. say I enjoy smallmouth fishing more than trout fishing anymore. So I like it too. It's pretty damn fun for sure. Yeah. I like it. Well, I'll uh, I'll throw something out there real quick. I just saw this today on Instagram and it looked kind of interesting to me. Uh there's a there's a page called Backcountry Hunters on Instagram, and they've got on March 18th at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, they're going to have um, a panel uh, discussing the future of the Northwest dams and their impact on what's going on. And I know that uh, I forget what a lawmaker has introduced or proposed, um, you know, some like 30 plus billion dollar project to to revitalize the the Snake River and the Columbia River drainage and and remove some dams and try to reestablish some of the uh, you know the native fish species the fish runs salmon and steelhead and whatnot so um, the moderator is going to be Ryan Callahan who uh, if if you're familiar at all with the meat eater. Uh, podcast slash television show slash cookbooks with Steve Ranella. Um, Ryan Callahan's on there. He's going to be the moderator. Uh, the panelists are going to be Aaron Lieberman of Idaho Outfitters and Guides Association, uh, Brian Brooks with the Idaho Wildlife Federation, Eric Crawford with Trout Unlimited up there in Idaho, uh, and Julia Peebles of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. So, I bet it's going to be a pretty uh, a pretty good conversation about um, you know what the future might hold up in that area. I know we've we've brought it up on the podcast a few times and haven't had a ton of information. Um, I, I just I don't think there's been a ton of information available, but uh, it's it's encouraging to see that they're starting to really kind of push move forward with the conversation. And and uh, man, I I just I honestly. I think those dams have outlived their usefulness. I think there are some dams that are necessary and there's some modifications that could be made to help make things more fish friendly as we learn more with, you know, marine biology and everything else um, and come up with other ways to do what those dams do for us that are far less damaging. So hopefully in my, in our lifetimes, we'll see uh, some of those big concrete bastards come down and, see those rivers in their natural state the way they used to be and get water temps and oxygen levels back to where they were before they stagnated billions of gallons of water. Um, and man, start seeing wild runs of salmon and steelhead and, and shit in places that yeah, they haven't been in decades. So that'd be pretty fucking cool. Um, you know, they, when you uh, register for it, so you, you get registered and then they'll send you a link that, how to sign in, I think, you know, on the day of a little while before, but they also prompt you for uh, a 
a question that you would like to ask the panelists. So, um, you know, think of something that you, that you'd want to hit these people up. They obviously, I mean, this is like, you know, a, a panel of uh, very knowledgeable, engaged people in the, in the fisheries in that region, both fishing and hunting. Uh, so they, they'd probably be able to table a bunch of questions and, and uh, so think of something. Yeah. And then go register for question. it. The only question I'd ask is, so, you're going to get rid of them fucking gill nets. Yeah. And the that's seals. a good one. So when you go register, <laughs> ask them if uh, you're going to, if they're also going to, if they're going to take the dams out, if they're also going to figure out the, both the commercial fishing and gill nets. Yep. Beautiful. And the BJ. seal problems. The BJ, seal what's your question? Bad. I was just going to ask, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of funny being the East Coast guy, right? Because uh, a lot of those dams out West were built to generate hydropower, right? I mean, that was kind of the reason for a lot of those. Um, and a lot of that, I, I think, was in looking for alternative ways compared to out here, right? So, you know, we deal, we don't have a lot of uh, dams out here. We have locks that were made for more navigation and, and moving product from one place to another. But out here, we have a lot of um, acid mine drainage back from the coal mines. I mean, still in Pennsylvania today, the majority of our electric is generated by coal, right? And and when I go fish and hike in somebody's back mountain stream, you see the scars of that today from 150 years ago. You know, you see sulfur water, orange water. Um, we got all these acid mine remediation programs that Trout Unlimited has been a big part of and some other conservation groups have done out here and um it's just from 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 me being from out east it's quite interesting to look at you know the the okay so as we move out west maybe we try and generate new forms of power which creates new problems right so um just makes us think i think as outdoorsmen um we kind of look at energy and that whole world a little bit different than most of the population does, right? Because we're forced to look at it as the effect on what we enjoy doing, the waterways that we love and protect. And, you know, it's up to us really to push for better ways to make everything work, you know? Um, because the average American doesn't care about the water in the streams until they got dirty ass water coming down their pipes, you know? <laughs> They don't, yeah. they don't care about, they don't care about the orange streams or the, the aluminum water that runs into the half the tributaries that I fish, right. That I, I can see it. I mean, there's so much aluminum and other shit that's running into these streams that, and honestly, we've come a long ways. I mean, I, there's, there's a river by where I grew up that when I was born, it ran orange. And, and today there are fish in that river. You can catch fish in that river. Um, you know, some of the stock trout survive in that river. The rocks are still scarred. They're all orange, right? But the water itself is clean. So, like, I know we like to bitch about that stuff, but, like, we've come a long freaking way. Like, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a society, right? And Well, and you talk like about out, outdoorsmen and stuff. And, I mean, you know, whether it's hydropower or coal power, or natural gas power generation, whatever it is, like – that's that's my wheelhouse. Like those are my customers. 
So I go in and visit with those people, you know, with maintenance planners and I&E technicians and mechanics and electricians and you name it. And guess what I see pretty much without exception in every office that I ever go to in any of these plants. There's pictures of them with fishing and hunting on the walls. You know, every single one of those guys are outdoorsmen. I mean, you know, they're not sitting there going, well, you know, I don't mind polluting because I make a living in the power generation industry. You know, that's not their mindset. You know, they, they, they're the reason why, you know, why you don't have acid rain anymore. I mean, because the guys that worked in the plant were affected by it the most severely because they lived in those communities. They raised their families in those communities. And so they were the first ones to say, we need to clean this shit up, you know? So I hate when I see like people vilify, whether it's, you know, talk about petroleum pipelines, gas, natural gas pipelines. Oh my God, the fucking DAPL. Oh, the Dakota access pipelines. Oh, we got to shut these things. Oh, they're so horrible. Yeah. Well, start putting, start putting that oil on, on, in semis and on rail cars and start to see how much worse that is. I mean, you're talking about millions of barrels of oil moving through those pipelines a day. And yeah, it's horrible when there's a spill or there's some kind of breach, but it is such a small fraction. And honestly, I mean, the environmental impact is minimal and they get those cleaned up and, and whatever, but yeah. And, and the technology, and that's the thing. It's like, it's the old pipelines that are causing the leaks that are having these issues, the new ones with, modern technology and smart pigs and all this other kind of stuff, man, they're, they, that's what we need to go to. But the more people fight, you know, building new high tech pipelines, the more we have to rely on the old infrastructure that's, that's starting to fail. I mean, some of these pipelines are close to a hundred years old. It's like, yeah, of course they're going to start having problems. So, you know, it just, it blows me away, you know, when, when people fight for an improvement in that, because the demand isn't going away. Like, okay, is everybody just going to stop driving their cars because they shut down the pipeline that, that brings all the, the petroleum to where it needs to be? No. So, you know, we need to advance all those technologies kind of simultaneously rather than just trying to erase one completely without something you know, better already in place, but it's, you know, with the, with the hydro stuff, with the dams, you know, those dams were built for a number of reasons. They were built for flood control as one of the primary, the uh, primary functions, uh, irrigation. There was, you know, they rerouted a shit ton of water into the Palouse. And I mean, you, you go to Eastern Washington, it's 99% agriculture. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. It's just the Palouse is just mile after mile after mile after mile of of rolling wheat fields and and, you know, all kinds of different crops and shit like that everywhere. And all that water comes from Banks Lake that was created when they put the Grand Coulee Dam in. I mean, they and they actually have to pump water up hill to Banks Lake. And it's a huge, huge lake. And they have these shit, I forget, they're like freaking 100,000 horsepower freaking pumps that that pump water from the Columbia River from the uh, 
uh, Grand Coulee Dam up to Banks Lake, and that feeds down through eastern Washington into the potholes and, uh, I mean, all through, out, and that's where they get all the irrigation water, you know, so flood control, irrigation, hydro, I mean, talk about a multi-tool player, like those things were pretty freaking badass, and they were one of the primary reasons why the United States was able to have the industrial revolution that pushed us into the forefront globally is because we had inexpensive, clean power available to us. So, and all the freaking water to grow those crops and all that shit. So, I mean, they, I am definitely a big proponent of those dams. I just think they've outlived, you know, they're, they were designed with a limited lifespan and we're there. Like it's time for them to go away. It's time for us to improve things and whatever, you know, and there's going to be a lot of cost associated with that, but I'm glad that people are starting to figure it out. Oh yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So, but I just hope they do it smartly. They do it intelligently and don't just like, okay, let's blow up some dams and then go, oh shit. Why is the cost? Why are our power (laughs) bills going up? so much i mean look at what happened in texas holy shit there are individual households who have like a hundred dollar a month power bill in three days they racked up a ten thousand dollar power bill in texas they had no idea it was happening just the rates climbed so quickly and now the power company's going ah sorry you got to pay it there are Tens of thousands of people. Do you see? Do you see what they're? Do you see what they're plugging into that power What's grid that? now? A <laughs> Tesla backup battery to hold energy. Uh, no shit. Uh, I read it the other day, dude. Well, it, so fucking Elon Musk is like, I'm moving to Texas. Here's one of a my customers. <laughs> one of my customers I was talking to uh, the other day. They were still kind of reeling from from the you know, the, the storm down there, the ice storm and whatever their power bill, they're an industrial customer. Their power bill is generally like $3 million a month in Texas. In three days, they were billed $15 million. No. I mean, how do you budget for that? And, and the power company didn't yeah, say like, Hey guys, yeah. guess what? Uh, it, this is coming. It just, the, well, we'll just let the market do what the market's going to do. It, it's <laughs> nuts, man. And they're, they're not, they're, they're like, well, we'll work with people. Okay. Are you going to reduce those phony charges? Cause I mean, it's not like that money actually paid for anything. It was just the market reaction to it. And they're like, well, yeah, we'll work with people. Uh, we'll set up payment plans. <laughs> That's what the I mean, that's what the power companies are doing. Like, what the hell, man? This is why people build like solid steel tanks out of bulldozers and drive them through government buildings <laughs> because of this kind of bullshit, you know? Yeah, that's dude, that storm has wreaked. You know, so so for those that don't know, I'm I'm in the lumber business, and that storm has wreaked so much havoc on on my world that I can't even begin to explain it to you. My, my two biggest mills were shut down for a week. Um, there's four people that make like plastic resins and they're all messed up and just, 
that one storm, like freaking hell, man. <laughs> it met, and, and lumber has been crazy for the past year, you know? Mm, so, right. um, God, it's like shit. <laughs> I had a I had a mill I had a mill that I had two mills. One of them couldn't open up for a week because they couldn't get natural gas to them because they were shutting off the gas to the mill to supply everybody to heat their homes, right? Oh and then the God. other one they couldn't. And then the other one they couldn't get water. They couldn't get water to run their freaking mill. Really? It's like. Yep, it's all frozen. It's all frozen. Mm-hmm. It was all frozen. <laughs> Stupid Texas. Oh, yeah. And their and their wannabe green chili, and their wannabe warm. And their independent energy. Oh, they they, <laughs> yeah, they basically like removed themselves from the the rest of the nation's yeah. grid. Yep. And there yeah, you go. That worked out really well. <laughs> really well. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, Lone Star State. We got our own power. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Let me know how it works when. (laughs) Let me know how it works when you secede from the from everybody else too, because your power worked out so well. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, Texas. Texas. You know what's good. You know what's good for Texas, though. What is good for Texas? These higher oil prices that we're seeing right now. Yeah, I got it, ain't no, good. it ain't good for me. Yeah, none of my friends in Texas are complaining yeah, it that it costs. None of my friends in Texas are complaining about it cost me seventy one dollars to fill up my truck today. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I ain't getting I no I, sympathy out of Texas. I don't have any problem paying that. Me neither. I'll gladly pay three dollars a gallon for today versus a year yeah. ago. See that's, <laughs> but see, that's a thing. It's like it should always be like three, four bucks a gallon. It should always, it should never go below that. It should never go way above that. It should just always be there. And then we wouldn't have the volatility and all the bullshit. And the only way we get there is by, you know, being independent from OPEC and all these Middle Eastern countries and all the bullshit. And, you know, they're, that, that's another thing they're trying to shut down. They're trying to shut down our domestic production and that only hurts it. You want to see, you want to see freaking $10 gallon gas. That's where we're headed. Well, it pisses me mm-hmm. off how much diesel costs, dude. Well, it's it's gonna go way up if Biden gets his way. It's freaking retarded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Goodness. But, but Scott, get ready because topics. I know. <laughs> I, I, Scott, I'll I'll end this conversation with Scott. I'll uh, I'll tell you that I've been calling it for a month now. Get ready, a little oil and gas booms coming back in the U.S. in the next year. So, yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be printing money in your world. Mm-hmm. It's coming back. Stocks are gonna go way up. Let's see it. Let's see yep. it. Let's Screw do that. It. I want to see gas at buck eighty one again. That's what I like. Oh yeah, I no, you don't. See our economy just tank. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, you don't want to leave your house for three more. That's fine. So you don't want to leave your house for freaking 12 weeks again? What? Do you want me to go back and look at the messages of you about not leaving the house for a month? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's play a nostalgia game. You're good now? (laughs) Yeah. You guys can make us stay home. I don't care. Nostalgia game time, Robbie. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Rob. Yeah. 
What is yeah. the lowest gas price you remember paying growing up? Dude, I remember my dad paying 87 cents a gallon for diesel in his truck that he had. Damn. 87 cents. Mm-hmm. Scotty? Yep. Oh, dude, I remember when uh, I remember when we were all freaked out because it went above a, bu- a buck a gallon. Mm-hmm. Yep. BJ, you're young and you're probably like a dollar ten. Nope, I paid under a buck when I was like seventeen back yeah. in the, nice. that was before that was before that was before Bush went and blew up the Middle East. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I remember Get paying <laughs> I specifically remember paying like ninety five to like ninety seven cents the year I graduated high yeah. school. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, dude. Damn. When I first started driving, it was like it was eighty something cents a gallon for mm-hmm. regular unleaded. When Rob started driving, it was like twenty-five cent, and that was when regular you had you didn't have regular unleaded. You had regular or unleaded, yeah, because there was leaded and unleaded. Hey, that was, and I'm all excited. Yeah, I'm all excited because there's a gas station in my town now that has uh, non-ethanol gas. That's what I run in my boat. Because fuck that corn bullshit. It just eats up your soft goods and your carburetors and your fuel injectors and everything else. It just tears that shit up. Mm-hmm. And I've got a 68 Camaro that does not like ethanol. Yeah, that's what Needs I Needs that real body. shit. Yeah, give us a real gas. Hell yeah. That's what they call it, dude. Real gas. <laughs> real gas. I'm, I'm going to go mm. to the E8. I'm going to move to the E85 stuff. Mm. There you go. <laughs> well, dude, my Armada is uh, flex gas. It says it'll do either or, but I don't know if I can just like put some of each in there or if I have to change yeah, something around. Mix it up. Her, and I'm like, I ain't going to run that <laughs> shit. I don't want to encourage that. Also use it to make popcorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, that hey, cheap Scotty, gas. Scotty. Good. That cheap gas. That was, that was back in the days of uh, a square... You remember the square car key and the round car key? I have that. Yeah, yep. I was just messing with that. <laughs> I had to open the trunk in the Camaro, so that I was, grabbed the one and open the trunk. Yep. That was That's back funny. when a dime bag actually cost $10. <laughs> that was back when a dime <laughs> cost dying. a dime. DJ <laughs> needs to take a drive down to Columbia, sounds like. He, he's all into the drugs. The he is. is there a problem? <laughs> Let's, talk about it. Let's talk about it, DJ. <laughs> The, that's a gateway drug. The drug war. That was a joke. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about those keys, Steve. That's funny. That is. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here um, right now. There you go. All right, Scotty, <laughs> this is under your gear review. And this is. Uh, what? Well, actually, there's a couple of these ones that are really good. Split shot. What's everybody using and why? <laughs> oh, boy. What are you using and why? Well, I think Scotty's ready on this one. He's got he's got a whole. Oh, I'm ready, but I'll 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 start. I got Dinsmore. I have Loon. I have the um, what's the yellow? The French one. Super dough. Super dough. I got a couple of those. Super dough. And then. I don't remember who makes the sticks and stones. You guys ever use those? Yeah. I, dude, I love sticks the and stones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And then I used I I have some MFC the tungsten reusable ones, but I don't know where the hell they are. So, but I don't fuck with water gremlins. Water gremlins. I only use water gremlins. Redneck shit. (laughs) If you use water gremlins, gremlins, you're shopping at Walmart, and you have on the fly in the end of your fucking Instagram name. End of story. Dude, so I'll tell you my uh, my cousin. My cousin's wife is is the daughter of the or the granddaughter of the the founder of Water Gremlins. That's their like family business. Oh fuck! Of course, I had to <laughs> shit on them. Thanks, Scott. Oh wow! But they don't they won't be listening to this shit. I can't do that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Here's your that foot. Put it in your mouth. Yeah. Well, I'm right. There I don't. Uh, I don't use. I don't use split shot because I put my weight in my fly because oh. I fish your own. Oh, fancy fancy. Oh, talk about the French. Oh, wee wee. <laughs> I shit in your not, general direction. I'm not French. <laughs> I'm not French. I'm Eastern European, motherfucker. Uh, yeah, I put in the weight of my like flies. Pompous there. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. My my accent went strangely straight to Mexico, so I'm sorry about that. Tell my Mexican friends. I'm sorry. I was like, is that French again? I don't know what French again. <laughs> oh dang. That's funny. Well, I only use one once uh one type of split shot, and that's the super dope. That's it. Because I'm a real fly fisherman and I know how to you know, take my split shot off, and uh, that's it. If you use water gremlins, Amen. you might as well just. Uh, sorry, I know we already went over this, but super uh, gremlins are not for fly fishing, unless Except you're steelhead me. fishing with Amen. beads. Amen. No, I still run the super dough. Yeah. <laughs> super dough it out. Mm-hmm. You might as well just I think it's. I think it's it. actually super duh. Super duh. Uh-huh. Super duh. And they come in two different duh. packages, Steve. One's orange and one's yellow. The yellow is the big dogs, and the orange is the smaller ones. So you can mm-hmm. go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, normally yeah. when you've got a group of vowels followed by an X, it's uh. Oh, so what is it? XXX then? That's bounce. <laughs> I've been using, um, and I don't even know anything about them, but the place i go to has them it's blackbird shot some canadian outfit hmm and i never just, heard of that one yeah they just, just they, that out of your 12 gauge shell or what they french they, canadian they, they come in like a tube and you know whatever you get that hobby lobby you get bb or size one size oh, three it's in a green thing that you turn no nah, it's in a black it's no, just in a little thing. it's just in a little tube is it crimped and, on the end no, it's just it's like a regular. And there's like a brass fitting brown. on the bottom. No, <laughs> no, no they're not. just okay. So they're just round shot. So it's not a shotgun it, so shell. It's okay, one that has like the black ring around the bottom of the dispenser, and you like they're shake dipsy, it and the head. Dipsy no? diver. No, okay. <laughs> We're just missing the mark on this one. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about, BJ. I think you're Me making either. it up. <laughs> No one Here, knows. I'll show you the picture. Oh shit! They're, oh wait, oh wait, no, they're water, water gremlin dipsy swivels. That's what I use. <laughs> oh, no, I'm 
<laughs> not here. It's uh, I don't know. The shop I sell, they're they're with their beads and and their. Uh, it's just like, jeez, they're just round round like shot. Pack. Yeah, so. they're just in round shot and a little thing, or you can get them in a baggie. So so, well. Mister, I don't use weight. Goes from <laughs> I don't use weight. I put it in my flies to oh, I use water gremlins. <laughs> no, I just said water. I just said this water guy. gremlins for comedic effect. Oh damn! Because we got to have comedy in this. Podcast. Yeah, I don't think those are split shot for fishing. I think those are for using it in your tumbler to clean your brass before you reload your ammo. Oh shit! I'm supposed to load those in my freaking homemade ten gauge. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. that's for making your own. Quick, 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 true story. I knew, I knew, a, I knew a mountain guy from Pennsylvania that had a uh, homemade ten gauge that shot rolls of quarters out of it. Quick story. Ouch! Jeez Louise! Yeah, that would Did he sharpen the edges before he loaded that shit. <laughs> Holy crap! That's awesome. Dude, that, that would hurt. Yeah, like that's the point. You ever been? You ever been? You ever had somebody you know get hit with salt shot out of a twelve gauge when they were stealing yeah. corn? When they were stealing corn out of a corner out of a farmer's field to go corning at night? Uh, no, it was watermelons negative. that we were stealing. Watermelons, watermelons, where Rob was. Yeah. we used to we used to steal the the old pumpkins right after Halloween and throw them off the train trestle. Do you even know what corning is? That'd be my next follow-up question. I don't think this is this is like maybe rated R at the most. This podcast, I don't think we want to get into corning. No, corn, corn, corning's when you go out into a farmer's field and you steal ears of corn in a sack, and then you rip the corn off and you go around and throw it at people's houses and run away. It's a teenager kind of thing yeah. out here. So, yeah, no, I'm from yeah. New Mexico. We we used eggs and it's toilet a, paper. Oh, you just. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. I can't say that. Those eggs and toilet paper. Yeah, there ain't, there ain't no yeah. corn Over in New Mexico. Here, well, there might be, but not where I was. Corning, corning's a gateway to egging cars. That's that, <laughs> corning gets you in the game. <laughs> corning gets oh, you in. Shit. Egging seals the deal. Yeah, egging's when you're in deep. That's when you know you're a certified right, so delinquent. Shot, since I since I put it on my for my gear review, um, I've been using the Dinsmores for a long time and. Uh, they've worked pretty well, and I don't know, they're green, so it feels more environmentally friendly. But uh, I got a pack of the Loon, and I don't know if there's different types of Loon split shot. I think they have some that's like the camel colors and whatever, but these are the, just the black ones. And uh, one thing I've noticed with the Dinsmores is like the way I – so the way I pinch the split shot on, I put my line in there. I squeeze it kind of gently from the back side, and then I spin it around 180. And where the split is, I kind of crimp that closed, just right on the edge of it, so that the split shot's not like dimpling or pinching my line. It's just kind of snug on there. I mean, if you were to pull on it, you could kind of slide it on the line because I'm afraid of like breaking my. I break. I've broken off at the split shot. Well. So I've found with the Dinsmores that I, there's a really, really small window between so loose that I lose them and so tight that it damages my leader. And 
you know, I, I've been playing with it and trying to figure shit out and the problem. So I'm one of those guys that everybody hates that, uh, you know, between I'll, I'll throw my cast out. I throw a mend, I swing it down there. I don't get anything or I get hung up or whatever. And I do a big quick three, three or four to smack, 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 smack on the water and clean my bugs off and then throw it back in. Right. So I do the smack it on the water bug cleaning routine. And that usually launches a split shot or two every now and then. And so what I, I got a tin of the, uh, the loon ones, the black ones. And I have found that those, um, I don't know. They just, they work better for me in every way. They, they stay on. I hardly ever lose them. I haven't broken my leader at the split shot. They're super easy to like get your thumbnail in there. They open right up and come off. I use them and reuse them. And cause when I'm fishing, like I move around a lot and I change weight all the time. Like I'll, I'll go, okay, I'll do a few drifts. I don't feel it. I'm going to throw another split shot on. Okay. I'm starting to tick bottom or, oh, well, I'm getting hung up. So I'm going to take one off or I'm moving into water. That's a little bit slower uh, or a little bit faster or a little bit shallower or deeper or whatever. So I'm changing split shot all the time. And so uh, I found with the loon ones, like I'm not losing a bunch of them. I'm, able to use them and reuse them and take them off and put them on like multiple times. And I've just had really good luck with them. I haven't had the same issues that I've been having with the Dinsmores. Now I use the tin ones. Um, I don't like lead just because I keep them in my cheek because I, like I said, I change them so much that I just stick it right between my cheek and gum. And I have like four or five split shot right between my cheek and gum and I'll take one off and stick it there. My lip, I, I need one. I grab it right out of my mouth, stick it on there. And it's, it's easy. Cause I take the way I put them on is with my hemos. I'll, I'll take the split shot out. I put the split shot in my hemos and then I hold my line in the slit and squeeze it. And so I can like put split shot on and take it off and do whatever. So I don't have to spin my pack around or have a lanyard on with a, and get access to the pack of split shot. Um, so I don't want to do that with lead. That would probably cause some sort of issues. I've done it before and swallowed a few of them. Yeah. It's yeah. I, dude, I did one time, uh, kind of forget that I had one in there and I was eating something and I take a bite and I'm chewing, <laughs> I'm chewing and all of a sudden just crack right down on my tooth i i just bit down on that split shot and I'm like oh ouch i forgot that was there so it was uh not the greatest thing in the world but anyway that's so that's my split shot story i, I i've been loving the loon so I i'm about to try I'll it i never it. never even knew that they had split shot i don't ever don't they ever they don't they don't until they send each of us a case of packs mm. to sample. So, yeah, we've been we've been pimping yeah. a lot of products today that we're not getting sponsored yeah, by. Yeah, a lot of free ads. Right. Yeah, a lot of free advertising. Uh, we're yeah. just giving them a little sample. Sample. So what you do with your what you do with your tin split shot? That's what I used to do with my maggots on when I gear fished. Oh, I you keep, keep them in my. You keep them in your cheeks so nobody knows what you're using. You just <laughs> keep put them, them on the warm. hook and yep. keep them warm so they don't freeze. Yep. That's Yuck. It. Yeah. 
And you can do that mealworms too. Yeah, yeah. that's a pencil. That, that's a Pennsylvania special. You can't do that with minnows if you're a minnow guy in PA. No, you gotta. Not too you gotta bad. have your. Yeah, you gotta have your little your little creel of minnows to pick out. You can do it with leeches though. Yeah, absolutely. Put I put them on my nipple. Actually, <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's he, he just leaves his top buttons unbuttoned. He's got a little necklace full of <laughs> leeches. That's BJ fishing. He's got his shirt off, hairy as hell, chest, and just two trickles of blood going down from each. I'm feeling woozy. <laughs> I'm getting a little light. Oh Jesus! Good Lord, people. Well, what else are reviews, Scotty? You're the only one with topics. Uh, well, that's why I keep saying. I guess if uh, if I, Steve are out, we don't have any topics. I can just keep. Yeah, I can keep rolling with the. I, gear. I, I do have one thing that I do have one thing I wanted to ask Steve about that that I can't give an opinion on Uh-oh. was. Uh, I'm trying to remember where the hell that was at. I'm Hold full on. of opinions. Let me look. So you don't have any. You got all the opinions? Yeah, he doesn't have it. No, but I do have my opinion. You're, you're not ready to fire. You ain't got shit. Mm-hmm. You ain't ready to fire. You ain't got shit. All right, I'm done. All right, well, if you find it. No, it was in our messages. Well, you can come You can come back with that it was shit. In our, it was in our Instagram. No, I got it. It was, uh, <laughs> it was somebody. So uh, there was some shit talk on. Hairline's large northern bucktail, and I saw that. I don't know that I've ever bought a bucktail from Hairline, so I I, I can't speak to it. I never have either, so I don't. I don't know. I think I still have the same patch of uh, deer and elk that I I've had forever. I probably had this same deer and this same elk. And I think I got a piece of moose and some muskrat and a bunch of shit like that that I've had since I started tying flies, which was probably 20 years ago. Well, that's, that's how many flies I tie that are dry. I tie. You don't need it. You just need to tie those leech patterns, and <laughs> that's all you need, dude. Dude, I go through those. Like, this is the this is all I have left of four bags. Dude. Is one bag of squirrel. Yeah, so I will tell you, I will... I will 100% say pine squirrel, there is a huge quality difference between what you buy and what I currently have. Oh, what do you get? So you harvest your own? Well, <laughs> I, yes, I shot a um, red squirrel in, you know, so <laughs> I have, I think my last batch, actually, I, I had a gift card that, that I bought some Cabela shit. Oh, well, and I will go. say the, the pine squirrel that you have is, Insanely superior to the couple bags I have. Huh. Mm-hmm. I wonder who bagged that. I don't know. Curious. I don't couldn't know. tell you. Curious. I know this. I know this batch well, I have is is Wapsie. Yeah. And it's uh, as Rob can attest, it's pretty good. Shit pretty works, good. man. Shit don't play. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about catching some small mouth? That'll work mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rust, rust, brown, and olive. Be, and white. You'd be killing the smallies. Yeah, that white, man. Steve and I were talking about that. I was like, Steve, is there any way we can get some white leeches like that? Just that way it looked like a little minnow down there. 
that things would get ripped. Mm-hmm. Get ripped. Mm-hmm. Oh, and for the record, 2021 is uh, Brood X in my part of the world. So cicada season. Oh, in, cent- nice, dude. in Central PA this season. Oh, mm-hmm. that's nice. Yeah, that'd be a fun one to hit, dude. Some big-ass fish on some big-ass flies. Dude. I hit it a few years ago on one of the other broods, and um, it was more in my part, western Pennsylvania, and them fucking trout were hitting, like, largemouth on poppers, dude. I mean, you just, you'd flop a cicada out there and twitch it, and they would hit it like a bass hitting a fucking popper. It was nuts, dude. I've never had so much fun in my life. I wonder what the calorie breakdown is like on something like that for a trout, you know what I mean? Yeah, like a cicada versus like pull those big fish up to the surface, man. You know, I mean, that's is it like? Yep. I'd like to, that's what I want to do. I want to find somebody who's done a study of like a midge to say like a BWO to like a cicada calorie wise, and then equate that to human food. You know what I mean? Because I'm thinking like a midge yeah. is like a French fry. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe you gotta eat food. A midge is like an almond. Yeah, exactly. You know, and a cicada is like a hot dog on a bun. (laughs) Hot dog. (laughs) That would be fun. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it was. If it's a t-bone, because you watch one fish eat like twenty of them in in an hour. So maybe it's It's like maybe it's more more like like, the sushi range. A a bite of a burger or something. Yeah, it's like a spicy tuna roll. Mm. There you go. Yeah. Just one piece. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Yeah, like, somebody get on that, some please. Tomorrow. That's what I had last night. That's only, well, the only reason I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. Uh, I'm going on a trip. There's a trip that's uh, that's coming together for like the first weekend of May on the green, and oh, yeah. there's a good chance that there's going to be some cicadas popping when we're there, or probably like the week after we're there. Yeah, right. Or, or before. Since I'm going. But uh, that'd be kind of cool. You need oh, yeah. uh, you need some of this one. So that's uh, my camera was a little clear. So that's a so that has some lead wire underneath it. That's a sunken cicada. So what I learned was here, like after a while, they stop eating the bugs off the surface, and they only eat the ones that sink a little bit. Ah. So you tie yourself up mm. some some sunken cicadas for for mid season action, and you know that brings a, that brings up a good question for for that. And I'm not just talking about cicadas, but I'm talking about any bugs from hoppers to to salmon flies. I mean, when you see a fish come up and grab a bigger bug like a cicada, like we're talking about, when they eat that, I I just wonder what is going on inside that fish's mouth, and then. If that thing's still trying to fly around, which I think it would be, but I think that you're right, BJ. They key in on drowned stuff. That way they don't have to fight that. I think. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a fish, yep. but I could see they eating a hopper or something and the thing's just flying around. It's hard for them to swallow. And if it's already drowned, they're still probably getting good protein and calories from it, but they're not having to fight it or it goes down quicker, you know? So, I mean, that's the kind of dumb shit I think about. Yep. But I don't know. I've never fished a drowned hopper or any of that kind of stuff, but I've caught fish that where my hopper is sunk down and they smoke it, you know? Uh, but yeah, I just wonder if they, yeah, but you've also, 
you've also taken dry flies and cut the hackle off so they sit lower in the film so it's more like a submerged right. fly, mm-hmm. you know? The same concept. Mm-hmm. Depends on what they're keying in on, but they're also opportunistic. I mean, what it boils down to, there's there's a few different with, – with any insect or really all of them, there's a few different uh, points of vulnerability for those insects. And that's when, you know – I mean, when, when you're a salmon fly and you've climbed up a branch and you're hatching, there's not much of a chance that a fish is going to get access to that. Right. So it's not really mm-hmm. a point of, a point of vulnerability, even though it's it's in the process of hatching and it is vulnerable, but not to fish. I mean, birds could get access to it or whatever. So when they're climbing around under rocks and shit like that, they're not really accessible. So the points of vulnerability are when it's emerging, when it's swimming up to the surface or it's, you know, leaving the, the weed lines and, and swimming towards shore or whatever the bug is. And when it's trying to emerge through the surface, you know, to break the surface tension and it's just sitting there pushing and it's not quite breaking the surface, that's a very vulnerable spot for that bug. And when they do break the surface and they start, you know, remo- moving out of their uh, out of their nymphal shuck or their larval shuck, whatever you call it, that's a point of vulnerability because their wings are still wet; they can't fly away. So that's what the fish are keying in on. And <clears throat> it's the crazy thing is just you know there could be any number of different things that are you know different bugs that are at different points of vulnerability, and the fish are only keyed in on one. You know, and it's not necessarily even like the easiest one. Like you'd see fish that are, you know, you'd think that the the bugs that are trying to break the surface are the easiest one to get to, but the fish aren't going after those. They're smashing bugs that are flying around, you know, and it's like, huh, that you would think that would be the harder one to get at. But they seem to kind of key in on one, one specific point of vulnerability and you can tell by how they're feeding. Like if you see anytime you see a fish's nose break the surface, you know, most people think, oh, hey, they're eating dries. All right, cool. They're eating dries. And they'll start throwing a parachute at them or whatever. And and they aren't getting any fish to eat their bugs. And there's fish rising all over the place. So like, why aren't they eating my bugs? Well, because they're not targeting the you know, the dry fly, they're not targeting the adult done that's, that's emerging from that shuck. They're, they're targeting the fish or the, the bugs that are trying to break the surface tension. They're, they're targeting the ones that are still under the water trying to emerge. So, and wait, you know, stop right there for a second. So, and I also think on that point, Scott, that those fish are keying in on that type because of the mucous membrane that's around that bug as it's coming out. Uh, I really feel like those fish key on that because they know that there's more calories in that mucous membrane than when they hit the top of the water that comes off and they're ready to fly off or whatever. But once they come out of that, they've got that mucus on them. And I'm not kidding you. I've seen where we run a caddis, a dry fly and a dropper of uh, just like a pupa an inch or two right below it. And they're smoking that thing because they're not eating the adult. They're still eating that pupa that's coming up because I think that there's more calories or protein or whatever. That's, that's what they're keying in on. That's what I think, but I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I, I I also want to add, I've never not caught a fish on a parachute Adams for the record. Thank you. (laughs) 
that's that's an east side bug man (laughs) yeah (laughs) well and then like scotty was saying though the knowing and understanding the difference in the rises yep is gonna is gonna help you quite a bit on what you're throwing you know if you're just seeing rings you know and you're not if you're if your fish is coming all the way out then you know they're eating full-grown adults if you're just seeing noses they're getting the ones on the surface and if you're seeing less you know less than noses they're just they're picking everything up that's just coming up to the top you know and they're and that's when you really gotta you know start paying attention to see where your ring is and see where your ring breaks first if you're i mean this is what i do when i'm fishing a lake i see where my ring breaks first which way is it traveling then I know which way he's cruising, and then you just kind of predict it from there, and you throw ahead of it. And see, and also I see a lot of people uh, that see that, Steve, and they go, oh, dude, they're eating emergers. Sweet, man. So they throw on a dry dropper. Um, and that's effective sometimes, but i got to tell you, you're going to be more apt to catch those fish if you're running a nymph rig and letting that thing swing at the end of your drift. I tell so many people, hey, man. You didn't mm-hmm. let that swing, man. P- why let that thing swing? Why are you picking it up right at the point where those flies are going to start to emerge up? I was like, don't pick it up. Let that thing swing right behind you. Even let it sit there for a second or two before you make your next cast. Uh, uh, you know, just because you tie a dry dropper on doesn't mean that they're going to eat that fly. They're looking for that action of that fly coming up out of the water column from the bottom, middle, and then up top. So if you swing that fly at the end, especially if you're on nymphs, you got a good shot at catching a fish that's not even really rising. It's just kind of chilling. It sees it coming up in front of them, boom, and they're on it. Uh, but uh, I, I see a lot of that, and uh, you know, I, I just say, hey, you cut your cast too short in the first cat on the first part of your cast, and then you cut your cast short by not letting it swing on the front. I mean, at the end. And so, uh, you know, it's just it's all about line control and drift, and knowing your bugs and knowing what the fish are keyed in on at that point. I mean, if they're stuck on the bottom, then you're going to hook them up when your flies are on the bottom. And BJ, on the Euro Nymph, I swing my flies every single time uh, that I'm Euro Nymphing at the end of my drift. Every time. Just because you never know. I mean, you're keeping that fly in Ditto. the water longer, you're going to get eaten, you know? Uh, but Well, and I, that, I, dude, I, so I, my, uh, sometimes my approach is not even the drift, but it's a swing. And I don't, exactly. I don't wait for it to get to the end of the swing, to, to the end of the drift. If I see a fish that's out, you know, 10 feet downstream of me and he's coming up in the water column and feeding on something, I'll cast it out, throw a quick mend and hold my rod tip out and just stop it and just, mm-hmm. you know, stop my drift and start my bugs swinging up like right away. So that they yeah. swing up right in front of him. The one thing you got to be uh, careful, though, like, I mean, you know how it is when you uh, when you get one of those fish on the swing, setting the hook straight upstream from them. And, you know, it's really hard to hook up with those fish. So instead, what you need to do is have a little extra. And if you if you get a take on the swing, when the fish is downstream of you, do not pick up. Do not lift up your rod. In fact, point your rod at the fish. Let more line go toward the fish so that it can take that bug into its mouth and start swimming back down. Then just come tight to it. Don't set. Don't swing at it. Don't come up. I just kind of let it stop drifting, and I just turn my rod so that it's kind of upstream and just put tension to it. Because if you try to set – 
there's no way you're going to pull it right out of the fish's mouth. And even if you do hook, do hook them up, it, it's going to be, you're going to have hell trying to get that fish to the net. So you got to feed them a little bit of line, like, you know, take a, take a play out of the, the steelhead swingers playbook where, you know, you got a little bit of loop of line, let a little bit of line out when you get that eat on the swing like that, let a little bit of line out. Or like I said, just like, push your rod toward that fish and let them take that bug. Cause as soon as they feel that tension, when they eat it, they're going to spit it like immediately. And you're in a bad spot to get a hook set. So you just yeah. want to let them have some line and then let them hook themselves. And what I do, and you're right, Scott, I mean, uh, especially if you're throwing streamers downstream and working them back up, I mean, uh, yeah, same I thing. Do that a lot. Yeah, um, but if you're if you're watching fish that are rising there, most of the time they're coming from the bottom and coming up and eating that emerger and then turning right back down and go down. Mm-hmm. What I usually do too, and is another option, is if if the fly swung is behind me and the water is going from my left to my right, I'm going to swing my rod towards the bank, low down and towards the bank instead of sift, lifting it right up. I go sideways because what usually happens they eat that fly and they turn around and want to go right back in their spot. And it's usually down deeper and that if you go to the right on that river going left, I'm sorry, right, then you got them hooked up. They pretty much hang themselves. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, it's it's just that's the fun part of fly fishing for me. It's There's no way that you can learn everything. You know, there's always something to learn about fly fishing. And I think it's so much fun. And that's why I like fishing with guys that are better than me. And they I go out there and froth the water and these dudes are railing fish, but I leave the day and I go, man, dude, I learned, I learned some shit today. Uh, I put it more, more ideas in your head to uh, how to get out of different situations because on that swing, you're already in a bad position. Even if you hook the fish, the fish is downstream from you. So you're getting ready to walk. So you need to be set up in a position where, Hey, I can move down the bank if I need to, or if there's a giant tree right there, you can't, you can hook the fish, but then what are you going to do? You're trying to fight them back in. You're probably going to end up breaking them off and the whole nine yards. So, I mean, set yourself up for success right at the beginning. Well, one of the mistakes I see, you know, pretty frequently is people will see that they'll see, Oh man, I just saw that fish come up over there. I know there's a fish right there and he's come up like three times and that's a big old fish and they're fishing a nymph rig that, you know, they got six feet of, of line underneath their indicator and they got two bugs on and so what do they do? They grab their shit and they cast it out so that they drift to right where that fish came up. Well, mm-hmm. that fish ain't eating on the bottom. <laughs> He's coming right. up to feed and you just rolled your nymphs right, right under him. You probably, mm-hmm. you know, bumped him with your freaking line. And now he's not, now he's on point because he's like, up oh, something, something ain't right. And you just ran your big ass indicator right over his head. Don't just target the location where there's a fish go stop and watch and say, what's he doing? What's that fish doing? What's it targeting? How is it feeding? Is it coming up and going back down? Is it coming up in the same spot? Is it chasing shit around? Like, what is it doing? And then come up with a plan. How am I going to, what do I think that bug's targeting? Okay. What have I got in my, in my box that would, uh, you know, mimic that. And what's my best option for presenting it to that fish so that it sees what it's looking for. That's what you have to do. And I just see so many people that they just, oh, there's a there's a big old fish over there that's feeding. So whatever it is that they're throwing, they just throw it over there. And it's like, 
dude, that ain't what that fish is doing, man. Like, you know, <laughs> or they see it come up. So they're like, oh, I'm going to switch over to a dry, you know, and I'm going to throw a dry over there. Well, that fish ain't eating dries either unless his whole mouth is coming out of the water open and, you know, engulfing a fly off the surface. Even if you yeah. see, a lot of times when you see noses come out of the water, they're still eating emergers. They're eating emergers that are right under the film and they're just golfing those things up. And, you know, there's a lot of times you'll see a fish over there that looks like it's eating dries. Get down where your eyes are right on this along the surface of the river and just watch that spot and see if you actually see, you know, adult dries floating down the river and you see that fish picking them off. Okay. He's eating dries. Otherwise it's eating emergers right in the film. And I don't know. One of the most effective things for me is just take like an RS2 and uh, sink it, you know, but I mean, put a little bit of, put a little bit of floating on it to where it just rides under the film, you know, where that you get the RS2, get it wet so that it wants to sink and then put a little bit of floating on it, give it kind of a neutral buoyancy where it's going to go just below the surface. It's going to be just under the film and just watch you know, those fish will start hammering that because that's what they're looking at. They're looking at those bugs that have emerged. They've come all the way up from the bottom and they're, and they've got their little bubble of air that's helping them float up and they're sitting there trying to break the surface tension and they're just bobbing just under the surface. Those are easy pickings for fish and they don't have to come all the way out of the water to eat them. So that's, I think I think they target those more often than they target actual dries on the surface. It's fun. I know exactly. I've been in those situations. I love that. Just no weights, nothing. Just wet, mm -hmm. flies, just just soaking through there. And, you know, and yeah, and you can't side. use an indicator. You can't, you know. Wow. So you basically just have to use some instinct. You know where your bugs are. Be looking for the take. Don't wait for feel. Don't wait for any sort of indication. Just Feed those fish. When you see that fish come up and eat, set. You know, be ready for it. it, it on lake side of that, I will have to say I've caught a shit ton of fish with no indicator on, just two bugs or three bugs, like you're saying, giving it a cast out as far as I can, let that thing drop, and then I'll strip in nice and slow, just a nice smooth strip, and those fish will tear that thing up, man. They think that those bugs are moving, especially as coronamids. I mean – it's good to let them things dangle, but man, I'll strip yeah. that all the way back in. Oh, it's yeah. amazing how many fish would hammer on that thing. I did that at uh, Pueblo one time right there by the bridge and just mopped up. I was like, dude, this is sweet. I can sit here and do this all day. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. BJ's getting See, sleepy. I, I think BJ, BJ fell asleep. Sleepy. Yeah, he sleep. <laughs> he did. Oh, no, he did. Him getting sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting awfully comfortable in that recliner, there, brother. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's, he's night night time. Those I beers just, are kicking in on. I just listening. <laughs> I'm just listening. Don't worry about me. Yeah, I'm over me. here. As long as his hands are out of his pants, I'm good. Yeah, right. Oh, there you are. Okay, good. Woo. <laughs> I'm still shopping for green chili. I'm still shopping for green See, chili. So. Hey, attaboy. Attaboy. You're still shopping yeah. for that green chili. Yep. <laughs> He's on the pre-order list. Well, I won't I won't get any till August, so I can't send you any right away. So Yeah, well, apparently neither will I. So <laughs> Yeah, you're not gonna get any ahead of Steve. That's that's the bad thing about yeah. the harvest. 
Can't speed it up. Right. Can't speed it up. Well, what else we got, boys? Anything else? Well, I've been promising these uh, gear reviews for for a couple of episodes, so I guess I'll jump into that. Um, so my gear review is, uh, I don't know, a year or so ago. I guess it's been longer than that. Um, when did they come out with those uh, Patagonia Danner foot tractors? A couple of years ago? Yeah, it's been a couple of years. Something like that. Well, you know, I got pretty excited about those. I know a lot of people did. Um, you know, I like the thought of the last pair of boots you'll ever buy. Um, you know, they, they have their uh, lifetime kind of service on those boots where you can get them resold for like 75, 80 bucks or whatever. Uh, and you can get or you can get resole and replace all of the leather parts of the boot for like 180 bucks. So I'm like, shit, dude, you know, they were expensive. They're like 500 something bucks. And it's like, but you know, if every few years I spend a couple hundred bucks and have them completely refreshed and that sounds like a good value to me. So, you know, they had a good story to tell. I bought in on it and decided, okay, I'm going to go. And I was in the market for some new waders as well. So Patagonia had their uh, zip front waders similar to the, well, I shouldn't say similar, but the, you know, similar in, in price and level as like the Sims G4Zs, G3Zs, whatever. And so they were, they were a bit less expensive. Uh, I think a couple hundred bucks less. And so I just went all in. I said, all right, fuck it. I'm doing it. I'm getting the boot, the foot tractors. Now I'm not a metal on my boots kind of guy. So I, had the special order them without the bars. And so they just have the rubber Vibram sole on them. Um, so I've had them for, you know, a couple years now and uh, not super happy with them. I've found a, one thing is they're, they're really heavy. Uh, they're the heaviest boots I've ever had, which, you know, I mean, I can handle that, but it, it does wear on you throughout the day when you're lugging around big, heavy boots. But the, the biggest problem I've had with them is how much they shrink. Um, you know, I wear a size 11 shoe uh, and I've I went in and tried on the waders. I tried on the boots. I tried different sizes. I did all this shit and I ended up with a pair of 13s. Um, and. After fishing in them, you know, when they've been wet all day and then I go to fish a few days later and they're dry, I cannot, I can barely get my feet in them. They shrink so much that I can barely get my feet in them. And so for the first, like a lot of the places that I fish, I'm not like Rob, I don't fish right next to the truck. So <laughs> usually I've got a, I've got a bit of a walk to get to the river. Sometimes you might call it a hike. Um, and you know, my feet, my toes are like smashed the whole way in. Like they're, it fucking hurts. And I mean, I had my, the toenails on my big toes were like black after, after one pretty long walk. Um, and then the problem is, so you, you like cinch them up and they're lace up boots, which I like. Uh, I hated, I honestly, I hated my boas. I had the G4 boas and i hated those boots. Uh, there were things about them I liked, but 
I hated the boas. And so I like the lace up, but the problem is I lace those things up dry, get them all cinched up nice and tight. I head into the river. I start fishing for a little bit. They're wet. Now all of a sudden my feet are like moving around in them a bunch. And now everything's cold and wet and dirty gross and whatever. And I got to fucking relace up my boots, you know, and I fish in the winter time when it's super cold. I like to fish in the winter, but man, when you're out there fishing in the winter and, and you're doing your best to keep your hands dry and, and warm, and then you got to pull your gravel guards up and, you know, in freezing cold water and relace up your boots to try to tighten them up while you're fishing, it's a pain in the ass. Um, and it makes your, uh, it makes your fingers pretty cold and pissed off when you're yanking on, on, you know, boot laces when it's 10 degrees out and whatever. Um, but yeah, so that's been kind of a pain in the ass. I, I just, uh, was hoping that they would perform a lot better than that. Um, the other knock on them is, uh, the, the, the soles on them, the outsoles, they are not good. Like, that was the one thing that I absolutely loved about my G4s was the river tread. That shit was like fucking glue on those rocks. Like I was so stable, so confident. I I don't have studs. I don't use metal, but I knew like, I mean, I fished some slick rivers. The Colorado's super slick. The San Juan can be slick in spots. Um, the Roaring Fork, uh, you know, there's, there's some, pretty damn slick rivers, uh, that, that we fish out here. And I, I never had a problem with my river treads, but dude, these, these, uh, yeah, the, the, whatever the, the treads are, they're like little, it's, it's like little round dots of rubber on the bottom of the boot. And, you know, I think their rubber soles were kind of an afterthought just because they're all about the aluminum bars. Um, so, you know, I mean, if, if they had the river tread on them, they'd probably be decent in that respect. But so I didn't like those. So I'll probably be in the market for some new boots here, um, before too long, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I've been pretty, pretty not happy with them. I guess two, maybe two out of, out of five, one and a half out of five stars. Well, on, yeah. on boots. So that equates to a three out of 10 yeah, or 30%, Thank you, which is a fail. You're welcome. I'm here for you, Scotty. Math. Well, I have them as well, and I just want to get this right out. Fuck Patagonia. But I will say that uh, I know what you're talking about on because I have those two, and I guided them all last season. And you're right, Scott. I mean, the days that I'm continually on the water, they're not bad to put on. But now that I'm not guiding, you know, I'm not fishing every day. I'm not on the water. So I actually have to take my boots down and get them wet in the water while after I get my waders before I put my waders on and let the water sit in them so I can get my feet in there. Um, I agree with you on that. Um, and the bars, I'm the bar guy. I like it, number one, because I, I was running up and down the river a lot, you know, in between clients and stuff like that. So I needed a little bit more traction. But I will have to say, there's one thing that I do like about those boots, and you're going to be like, are you kidding me, Rob? But their laces that they have are legit. Their yeah. laces in the boots are legit. I mean, the gravel guards, I they don't have the 
uh, like the old foot trackers had a little round D ring at the end that you just put your little clip from your uh, gravel guards in. You'd have to put them on the laces. Well, they don't have that on the Danner boots, so I just clip it on the lace. And I got to tell you, they last, man. I mean, they're getting a little frayed, but they're they're pretty yeah. solid. I did notice that too on, uh, I kind of alternate like which lace I put the little metal Mm -hmm. hook on just to try to keep it from wearing them out. But I could see in the one that I, I was using for a while, I could see it was just kind of barely starting to fray, but I do like the laces. Mm -hmm. Um, the laces are extra long. So the way I do it, I cinch everything up and then I do one full wrap of the laces around the back, around my you know, calf or whatever, and then put them in the hooks and cinch it up there. Uh, so I, I like the laces and I like how you can kind of, you know, tighten up the footbed and, and the top part of the boot, however you want it. But it doesn't matter when the boot changes size and size. shape just from, you know, getting wet, you know, it's, yeah. that's a pain in the ass. And see, and I have a pair of like I told BJ this before we started the uh, podcast. I bought a pair of Danner work boots, and they fit perfect, man. I mean, they yeah. feel good on. Just don't get them wet. Just don't get them wet. That's exactly right. <laughs> I know, dude. That, and that was another thing why I was so stoked about it. I mean, being a blue-collar guy, like I've had a lot of pairs of work boots. And, you know, the Red Wings and the Danners have always been the go-tos for me. And they make mm-hmm. awesome – Danner makes awesome freaking boots. They just – you know, I don't think they did enough testing on getting them wet and letting them dry out and freezing and thawing and all that kind of shit when they designed them. Cause they just said, Hey, we're Dan or we make a badass boot. Let's just put a fucking wading sole on the bottom of it and you're good to go. But you know, that's what I was yeah. hoping for, but it didn't turn out to be the case. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, it's the only Patagonia uh, gear that I have left that I use for fishing. And the only reason why I still have them is I can't, they don't have the new G4 uh, boot and I can't wait to try that out. They're on order, but they're not going to get here until May. So I'm still rocking them right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'll let you know. I mean, uh, I remember your boots. You had the, the G3 boots or something like that. I can't remember. And I actually bought a pair because you had some, you were just raving about them. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to buy some of them. And I remember that. uh, But, uh, I went from those to uh, the Danners. Well, actually, I went to their foot tracker, the second ones they had out, and then went to the Danner. <clears throat> well, I'm probably going to go back. Honestly, like the the best the best boot that I've had. Well, okay, so like my wet wading boot, I've got the uh, the Sims Vapor, mm-hmm. and I I love those. I mean, those are just like a really good light, extra light pair of good quality hiking boots that are designed for wading. I mean, I'll do a few mile hike in those things and it's no problem. I'll literally like put my, put a wool sock on and lace them up with a wool sock and that's it. I don't even necessarily use like the neoprene booty thing or whatever. Sometimes I, I will, but uh, I love those. But so I was thinking about, I know they've, they don't make those anymore. They've got their new like featherweight or so I forget what they call it, but there's the, their newest version of that style of boot. And I thought, man, I I should just get a larger pair of those for when I, you know, in my waders, but they don't have a lot of like ankle support. And like when I'm fishing in the winter time and stuff, you typically, 
I don't know. I, I, when I'm like wader, wader fishing, I want like thick ankle supports and, and stuff like that. Cause I'm, I'm going in deeper water, uh, and I'm, you know, banging my ankles against rocks and shit like that. So I want, I want more support, but I'll probably like my, the Freestone, the Sims Freestone boot, which I know mm-hmm. it's one of their lower cost boots. Lower Dude, those mm-hmm. things fucking rock. Like they're yeah. bulletproof. There's nothing, nothing, they're just basic, but they do what they are supposed to do. And they're kind of heavy, but not bad. I mean, Super they're heavy. certainly workable. Um, I, I'm either going to do that or I might do like a G3 lace up kind of thing, uh, mm-hmm. guide boot whatever but i'm not going to do the boas i don't like that um i'm not going to do the corkers i think uh i saw like uh, when when steve and i were fishing the san juan we were walking up one of the side channels and and he's like hey check it out he he pulls up one of the corker like soul things <laughs> that's stuck in the mud and then like late the next day or later that day or something we found the other one <laughs> in another part of the river like yeah that guy lost them both but uh so yeah 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 so i don't know i'll probably uh i'll probably go back i'll go back to sims i don't know reddington makes some good boots i might take another look at those but uh i'll probably go one of those two directions but yeah the uh the the danner foot tractors are a no-go for me um yeah and especially for that price point, I mean, they oh, are man. the most expensive boot on the market. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, well, know, maybe I, I can say, sell these for a couple hundred bucks or something. I don't know. Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody will like buy them. When I bought those Danners, they gave you an extra set of bars on it, which I thought was really cool. So the ones before that, you had to uh, buy the bars extra. And so it was nice that they gave you an extra set right there. This really wasn't extra. You're paying for it when you get the boot anyway. And so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even get on one pair of them. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> funny. Yeah. Well, on so, of that, I do. I can't lie to you guys. I have, I have uh, gotten rid of those nano puff pants and man, dude, those pants are so badass, dude. I miss them. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Doesn't Sims make something like that? They do. I have them. Uh, but uh, they were just like putting on Not pajamas, as good. man. Yeah. <laughs> I it's like, man. And so, but I have the, the Sims new ones. And uh, I mean, they, they're fine. It's just those nano puffs, man. You just put them on. It's like just like just hugging your little ball sack. And oh, dude. I just, I don't know. Here. I don't think I could own something that's called a nano puff. Well, any kind of puff. Up, first of all, you would burn up. Your ass would be on fire. <laughs> You'd be like, I got to get these pants off, man. And Dude, so when we were on the steelhead trip, like, I mean, the water temp was like 35 degrees. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm standing out in that water, you know, up to my belly button for four and a half hours straight. I, I was on the uh, I was on the Ron Brown onesie train for that <laughs> trip, dude. <laughs> well, that's who I gave. I gave my Nano Puff pants and the matching jacket to Steve Maldonado, and so uh, yeah. he's tying up a bunch of flies for me for um, uh, when I head down to Key West next month. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, you're in good hands there. He ties yeah. up some mean big bugs. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Steve, what are we at? Like two hours? Off we the are. puff train. 
Two hours? All right. Yes. All right. Well, should I save the, uh, the, the waiter review for the next episode? Yes. Let's do that. All right. BJ's asleep. But yeah, BJ's like fucking man. dying over there, man. <laughs> He's like, I need to go to fucking bed. Yeah, but he knows he knows exactly when and how to work place his green chili order, though. That's <laughs> yeah, right. He's got that unlocked. That's now. it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, now BJ, here's what needs to happen, dude. You need to fucking fly your ass out to Denver. We'll drive down. We'll fish the San Juan. <clears throat> we'll fish the Canejos. We'll fish uh, maybe the Animus. I don't know. But we'll go down there. We'll we'll get some green chili. You can package it up with some dry ice and ship it home. It'll be good to go. Yep. I got a little. I got a little. I mean, not ship it, but like check it on your flight. <laughs> in your carry-on. Yeah. Yes. No, you just check. You just throw some dry ice in there and check it. Or maybe I don't know. Can you do dry ice on airlines? I don't know. Maybe Should be not. Able to. I think you I can. That'd be. Awesome. You just have to keep it fucking cold because with green chili, once it's been roasted, if you don't keep it cold, you can get some botulism going up in that shit. You don't want that. No. I heard it's bad. You don't want to die. <laughs> Um, well, shit. Yeah. That it? Anybody else got anything else? I think I'm good. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say this though: wherever, uh, whenever you Somebody, do fly out here, you don't have to worry about breaking down your rods when we go anywhere because I, on my fishing rig, have two, two count them two ultimate rod cases. Boom! And this podcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Rod Case. If safeguarding your rods and reels is as important as the convenience of arriving with your gear pre-rigged and ready to go, then look no further than the Ultimate Rod Case. The Ultimate Rod Case is fused together from two solid pieces of 16-gauge diamond plate aluminum combined with stainless steel components, creating a completely rust-free rod case which mounts to any roof or ladder rack. Your rods and reels are completely protected, enclosed in internal PVC rod tubes, which are hand-packed and insulated for thermal protection. With the longest warranty period in the industry, Ultimate Rod Case protects your peace of mind as well. Handcrafted by the McCoy family in their shop in Colorado Springs, the Ultimate Rod Case is available in two, four, and eight fly rod cases in lengths ranging from 9 feet to 12 feet, and they make ultimate rod cases for spinning rods as well. Visit them at ultimaterodcase.com for product information and photos and follow them on Instagram and Facebook at ultimate rod case. And remember, say no to plastic. That's nice. right. Yeah. If you come see me, I only have one. So BJ, you have to just break your shit. You just got to deal with it. Break your shit mine. down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't, I'm not bringing rods when I fly oh, out. There you I'm go. Fish yours. Well, you buy, give me some time. Yeah, you buy shit I, I can't my, afford. I broke my 10 foot four weight BBK on the San Juan trip. I pulled a Steve. Oh, dude. I, dude, I'm like religious about checking the ferrules and making sure everything's squeezed together. And dude, it still happened, man. I went to set and snap. And I looked and I'm like, fuck. The yep. ferrule was like half Damn an it. inch up. That's the worst shit, man. <laughs> uh, I set the hook and it just fucking exploded. So yeah, but it's a BBK, so I'll have it back within you know a few days if I ever get around to sending it in. Yeah, 
But with uh, with TFOs, you can also right. just buy that section of that rod. You can go on their website. You punch in whatever the rod is, you know, 10-foot four weight BBK. You can buy a section of that for like 45 bucks. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. Hmm. Hmm. It's a good yeah. good thing it wasn't a sage because you'd probably have that back. <laughs> if it was a sage, you'd get that back in like 2024. So I sent – let's see. Oh, man, I'm going to screw this up. But I sent <laughs> I sent my sage rod in. I sent a sage in. It's a, it's a 10-foot 8 weight. I sent that thing in probably – God, I want to say June or July of last year. I've never even heard from it? them. I think they kept it. <laughs> really? I think they're fishing with it. I don't know. I should probably I should probably call them. I just totally forgot about it until you just said that. Yeah, you should probably check on it because they're yeah. usually well. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't broken a sage in the in the new pandemic era, so I can't tell you what it was like. <laughs> I know the last time I yeah, broke one, I, I had it back I in two t- weeks. So. Well, I so I went on their rod. website and I did the little like start a service claim thing and I punched in all my information and I included all that when I sent it in. So I'll have to go look that up and see what the hell. I totally forgot about it. Pandemic rod warranty has been a shit show. I'll tell you that yeah. much from my experience personally. So get this. I heard, um, who is it? Loomis isn't even repairing rods right now. That's dumb. Right? Are oh. they replacing them or they're just not doing anything? Not replacing, not not you, repairing, you break nothing. It, you, you break it, you're fucked, fucked by another one? Wow. I had a friend here that had a rod broken. It was a Loomis. Sent it in or took it to the shop to send it in. The shop, I guess, uh, talked to Loomis and they're like, nah, just keep it. Give them a, get another rod because we're not repairing anything because they're, they're working on their next generation of rods. Wow. Yeah. So well, like, well, isn't that's Loomis a, that's a good isn't way to uh, Loomis and everybody. TFO the same company? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Good question. I thought they were. I, don't know. I can tell you that Fenwick, Fenwick and Grays are the same company. Bam. So. Yeah, because that's relevant. Well, because <laughs> I own two of them. <laughs> And they just sent me a new rod. I didn't. There's, I broke that. Uh, I broke that Fenwick Road Class I got from that Gray's Streamflex I had. And dude, they didn't even ask me to send the rod back. They just mailed me a new rod. Nice. Like, nice. So, That's nice. So now I have two rods sitting in the garage that one of them needs a tip replaced, and it'll be a uh, it'll be a ten foot eight inch three weight one of the time I fix it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> but it'll, you, it'll work yeah then you tell somebody that like damn dude you were specific on your rod lengths wow custom. Yes. absolutely this is absolutely custom this day this is my fucking niche 10 foot 8 or yep. fuck off uh, yeah. Uh, yeah you ever fish a 10 foot 8 nope didn't think so <laughs> it's like heaven <laughs> alright yeah. alright boys well, good talking fun, kids man. yep yeah you too, man. All right, Dave. So, well, you guys. Have I'm gonna go to bed. Yeah, you All go right, to bed. You're tired. Good. Tomorrow. I'm I'm going to bed so I can go fishing. Yes. You there go. You go. You good go luck, man. Get some fishing pictures for yeah. us. All right. Everybody, be careful. I gotta Catch drive up fish. to Cheyenne tomorrow, so I'm hoping that winter weather doesn't move in early. Yeah. Should be late. You'll be all right. 
Yeah, so I'll be all right. Go catch some fish, BJ. Scotty, you enjoy right, that win. Holla. Peace. See you back.